You guys doing good? Yes. Amen. Well, we're glad that you decided to join us today and uh, worship with us and learn and dig into the Word of God and uh, see what the Holy Spirit wants to uh, do in our hearts today. Amen? Yeah, exactly. Super excited for Pastor Stephen preaching the last couple weeks, and uh, he's just been uh, sharing some pretty powerful stuff. I, I uh, got done when he got done with the message last week. Someone leaned over me and said, "That was powerful." I said, "I know that was powerful." So if you if you haven't uh, caught that yet, or you missed last Sunday, or you want to rewatch that, you can go to cocfamily.com, coc Christian Outreach Center, coc family because we are one. Cocfamily.com. All the messages are on there, audio and video. Uh, or you can find us on YouTube, but that's a little harder because there's a bunch of Christian outreach centers. We're the one with the red circle. Yep, we got the little red circle icon on us. So, yeah, we're talking about, we're in the series called Rewire because, uh, guess what? You guys uh, come from the factory with faulty programming. <laughs> We come from the ultimate factory with perfect programming, but then because of sin and we live in a fallen world, we get some uh, back, Jim, a few of you might be old enough to remember this, some stinking thinking, right? That's this you say back in the 80s and 90s, some stinking thinking. So we, uh, we're, we are, get trapped into thinking in ways that are not bringing about the life of God in our own lives. And so this is our... our text that we've been on for the last number of weeks, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Say transformed. Transformed. Now, this is written to, to, this is the book of Romans, right? This is in the New Testament. This is written to a church. Are you with me? This is not written to heathens. This is written to the church. Who is this written to? The The church. This is written to the church. And so to the church, Paul says, Don't conform to the world, but be transformed. To the church, be transformed. You guys, followers of Christ, well, Jesus came in my heart. I'm good now, right? Eh, Wrong answer. You're good for heaven, but you're not good for earth, okay? We need to be transformed so that you can be uh, someone that people don't dislike, right? We want to have the character of Christ. We want to look more like Jesus. So uh, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're, we're focusing in for a few weeks on that, that square up there, the pattern of this world. For years I've read that, I've never thought much about, I'm always focused on the transforming part, you know, letting the word of God change our minds, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's right, that's the action step. But I'm just thinking that it might be helpful if we can identify a couple of the patterns of the world that might sneak their way in. Stephen referred to that a few times, the kind of those, those ninja patterns, those sneaky, sneaky patterns that, because you're, you're immersed in the world all the time. I was having a conversation with someone that doesn't go to our church, and we were talking about something that I, you know, had preached about and, you know, kind of talking over the message, and they're like, oh, well, I bet your congregation, they're all excited for that. I'm like, well, I don't know, I don't get a ton of feedback, but and they're like, well, of course they would think like this, right? And I said, well, listen. I said, I disciple the people here at the church corporately like about 40 minutes a week. You guys are being discipled by the world 160 hours a week. And they just stopped and they said, 
I've never thought of it like that. You are being discipled. You are being formed into the image of someone or something constantly. Continue. That's your freebie for the day. That's not in the notes even. Right? You're being, you're being conformed and formed, discipled. You are the, the devil has an intensive and comprehensive discipleship plan. He really does. And a lot of us are like, this looks good to me, right? <laughs> Goofy today. <laughs> this looks good to me. <laughs> I did not know I could do that one. <laughs> Aren't you glad for the grace of God that can take something good out of that goofiness, right? <laughs> In spite of us. And so... We, we just kind of go along with the discipleship of the world. And like, I was having a conversation with a teen this week and struggling with some different things. I said, you're, you're fighting three things every day, every single day of your life. You're fighting your flesh, you're fighting the devil, and you're fighting the world. And so I was just, just kind of helping them kind of maybe recognize which one of those it is. It's the same strategies for all of them, but you can be a little more focused if you know, is this just my flesh that's str- that I'm struggling with? Is this the voices of the world, which is what we're talking about here today? Or is it the enemy? Are we dealing with a, like a darkness, a spiritual uh, effect in our life? So that was another freebie. So we'll, we'll do a series on that one sometime, I think. And so we're talking about the patterns of this world. And so last week we talked about, or the be three weeks ago, the last time that I talked, the pattern of the world, and, this, and this, is, this is a worldly pattern, that what I feel is what is true, right? What I'm feeling right now, that has to be the truth. And I just, I'll tell you what, and I said it then, and I'll say it again, like, like in almost every week since I talked about that, including the week that I did talk about it, I've had to have that conversation with myself. These feelings are real, but that does not mean they're true. There's a difference. These feelings, they're not, they're not pretend that I'm really feeling this. But that does not mean that our feelings are not a good indicator of truth. Our feelings are a good indicator of our thoughts. And that was the whole message. Our feelings are not a good indicator of truth. They're a very bad indicator of truth. They're a good indicator of what we're thinking. And anyone ever just got this ominous feeling and you're like oh I wonder what they meant by that why did they say or how come they didn't say anything about that and you've created a whole scenario while you're not and you're just now your stomach is all those chemicals are being dumped in your system your stomach is starting to hurt your heads your joints are getting edgy like like all of a sudden all these emotions they're very real and you talk to the person later and they're like oh I'm so sorry I didn't say or or I was just thinking about what I said earlier. I didn't, like, man, I just, I kind of blurted that out. That's not at all what I meant by that. And you spent all this time with all these chemicals. Those feelings were real, but they weren't true. Feelings were real. There go the kids. Lots of kids. Hi, Callie. Lots of kids. Here we go. Here we go. So that was the last time. So what I, what the, the world wants to tell you that whatever your feelings are, that's what reality and truth is. That's wrong. The Bible says, no, not true at all. So this week, we're going to talk about, hang on to your shorts, folks. Self is the ultimate authority and the ultimate good. That is a pattern of the world. We're trying to identify some patterns of the world that we all get sucked into, all of us. We get sucked into this. See, the Word of God is unchanging, but the application of the Word of God is changing. 
because we're dealing with different things at different times. But the word of God is unchanging. So what I'm trying to do is identify some very prevalent, some of the ideas that were prevalent in the year 1000 are not as prevalent today, right? How many would agree that society's changed since 1970? Okay, 80, 90, right? Two years ago, right? So we're, we're dealing with a different voice, a different push. It's, it's all demonic, right? But you're dealing with these elevated, more vocal things that get immersed in everything that we hear, say, and do. And so we got to fight against that. Don't conform to that. Paul said, don't conform to that. Don't be pressed into that. Don't be shaped by that. And so what we're hearing all the time is self, right? Yourself is the ultimate authority. I'm going to, we're just going to, we got to, again, these are content heavy. So I apologize for that, but I don't really apologize for that because this is good stuff. So there's going to be some books, some quotes, some other scriptures. And we're going to let some of these guys kind of walk through this a little bit. First one is Dr. Phil Brassfield. He said this, he said, we've become the, quote, it seems to me generation where the highest authority on any subject is self. If you interview anyone on the streets about truth, you can, you can interview anyone and they'll acknowledge on one hand what the Bible says or what science says or what the empirical facts suggest, but then they'll pivot without the least hesitation and say, but it seems to me, right? Have you heard that before? I've heard you say that before. I've said that before. And there we get sucked into this, what I think and feel and, and kind of perceive as, as real is the ultimate, the highest authority. And he goes on, Dr. Phil Brassfield says, the power of their personal opinion has become their truth, their guiding concept, and thus their authority. Listen to this last line. Sadly, the authority of self has become the supreme court of the heart of man. I just highlighted that. I just, man, that is so true in 2023. The authority of self has become the supreme court of our hearts. I get to decide in my own heart what's right and wrong. There was a time not that long ago where we would kind of decide to do what we want to do. In fact, uh, a long time ago, Adam and Eve in the garden decided to do what they want to do. That's, that's not new. That's as old as humanity is. But the idea that I am the highest authority about what I do, that's new. We used to just be rebellious. Well, I'll tell you what, and we'd give the middle finger to God or whatever, or say, you know, I don't even believe in you or whatever. But now we've decided that is a God, isn't a God, I don't care. I get to decide what's true, what's real, what's ultimate. I get to decide what's ultimate. And so the authority of self has become the supreme court of the heart of man. We're going to talk about the religion of self. We don't think of it that way. And I've got a few quotes from Mark Sayers. He's a pastor that I listen to. He's pastors in um, Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. I worked on that one for a while. <laughs> Melbourne. Pa pastors of a church called Red Church. And he, uh, he's written a couple books. I've read one of them uh, mostly and part of another one. And uh, he, he just kind of speaks really to the culture of what's going on today and kind of the timeline of events and stuff. He says this. What makes this contemporary outlook almost religious, I'm talking about self, is its unquestioned faith that all we need to do is, quote, give individuals maximum freedom in every aspect of their lives and all will be well. You hear that everywhere. Let me tell you what the problem is. It's all these restrictions. It's all these people saying you shouldn't, can't, won't do that. It's if we give people enough freedom 
then we'll get some good out of it. That's the problem, is people aren't free enough. Wow. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the problem to me, but you know what I mean. And so that's what this religion of self is telling, and we're hearing that, guys. Like, unless you only have Christian music on, which I would advocate for, <laughs> but, you know, unless you only, like, unless you're completely insulated and living under a rock and don't know anybody else, like, that's what you're hearing all the time from everywhere in the world is we just need, individuals need to be free in all, every area, and then things are going to be good. Romans chapter 2, I was going to do a bunch of Romans verses today, and, uh, this, this message is, is not a, a, a measure of self-restraint, but I did have show some self-restraint, and we're just going to have a few verses. It says this in Romans 2, verses 7 through 8. To those who by persistence in doing good seek, say seek, seek glory, honor, and immortality from God, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and who follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. You've got two groups of people, one who seek God and God's good and, and his honor, right? And you've got another group that seek self, and by seeking self, we reject truth. Because I get to decide my own truth. And there's one outcome of that, wrath and anger from God. Let's talk about self and the culture. <laughs> Mark Sayers again says, the new, this, this new cultural mood becomes all the more powerful as the good is reduced to mere individual happiness. What he's saying is, like the best, when, when we want to define what good is, it's as long as you're happy. As long as you're doing what you want to do. That's what good is. And I'll decide good for me. We can, we can no longer see beyond ourselves to learn from history or be concerned about the future. The result is an amnesia about everything except the immediate, the instant, the now, and the me. Everything else fades away except the immediate, the instant, the now, and the me. Whew, I've got three quotes from Greg Gifford. He says, individualism is, the one, is, is where I am the one that is supreme. I am the one that acknowledges what is true and what is right, especially, especially for me for myself. He says, you can't know about me, only I can know about me, and I have to tell you about me, and you should support that. <laughs> and I don't know if you've been out there very much, but that is the mantra of today, right? You don't have to agree with what I'm saying, but do you feel like this is somewhat accurate? I, I do. Greg goes on to say, we want... We want, as, as the human species in the middle of this kind of crisis right now, we want to not only to be true, but we want to be true to our feelings, and we want you to acknowledge what our feelings are telling us. We want you to acknowledge our identities. We want you to acknowledge our self-conceptions and our perspectives about ourselves. We want you to affirm those things. His third quote here, just in this continuation, he said, this is a radical transition, and it's not true in other places. This is an American deal. In Western thought, we've moved from, first of all, our reason, our reason being supreme in kind of the enlightenment of the 1700s. Then we move to 
our intuitions and our feelings are supreme, you know, five years ago. And now today in 2023, to, we've moved to, you must acknowledge and respect those feelings and identify those feelings as being true. It's not just enough for me to think that I am true. I need, you, I need, I need both gyms to think that my identity and truth is true for you too and for me. And agree with that and support that and be energized by that. Otherwise, there's something wrong with you. That's bizarre. Guys, that's a, that is, that we're, you're going to see a lot of indications. I had a whole chunk of stuff from the emotions one because your thoughts determine your emotions. Eight or nine, I, I erased the slides because I knew I'd put it up otherwise. Eight or nine out of ten adults surveyed in a recent survey, it was a huge survey, believe that there's a mental health crisis in America. I talk about that with people all the time. So if our thoughts determine our emotions, right? And we as America believe that what I feel is real and is true and is truth, but we also agree that we're in a mental health crisis, so we're all not thinking well. Do you see the, do you see the problem here? Just Let's just talk logically, not experientially, just logically. If what I think determines what I feel, and what I feel now I've determined is truth, but everyone agrees that what I think is bad because we're in a mental health crisis, do you see the problem there? So we're having a crisis. There's just, just a lot. I'm like, that just makes so much sense. Mark Sayers in his book, he threw out his kind of, what he's called all this information together, and he just kind of condensed kind of this post-Christian America into kind of seven beliefs, and they, and they could vary or whatever, but he's like, you're going to find these in almost every world system. We're trying to not be conformed to the pattern of the world. And so I just threw these in because they were really good, and they really speak to what we're talking about. And, and do you see how Greg Gifford talks at the, that last paragraph there? How do you get to a place where it can make sense to self-identify in a way that does not correspond to your physiology, Right? How does it, how, like, how, how do you get to a place where I get to decide, how do you get to a place where Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's the Bill Nye the science guy of this generation, right? I mean, he is the science, he's the science guy. Don't tell me about your feelings. The science guy can come out three or four or five weeks ago and talk about the gender spectrum. And he gave his whole, like, like 20 minute YouTube video about how it doesn't matter what chromosomes you have, but you might feel, well, maybe today I want to feel pretty. So as a guy, you're going to wear some lipstick. So you might be a little further along that spectrum. This is the science guy. Fortunately, one of the other guys like confronted him. They're like, are you insane? <laughs> you're the science guy. And so I've, I've watched him on a number of interviews where people are really pushing on him. And like, we're going to, okay, so everything is about science except for this. He's like, but hey, you got to, what? I'm like, Wait, what? And that's what Greg Gifford is saying. This progression is how you get to a place that you are so removed from reality that you get to create your own reality. I'm trying to stay with my slides today because I've got about seven rabbit trails, Joe, that we could just run down. And it might get a little intense for a second here, but we're going to, these, these seven post-Christian beliefs, are, they're, they're not so bad. And then we're going to try to keep me on track after that. And you can be mad at me if you want afterwards. So the seven post-Christian beliefs that Mark Sayers kind of puts forth, he says, you're going to find this. 
The high, number one belief that you'll find in most of these kind of world systems is that the highest good is individual freedom, happiness, self-definition, and self-expression. That's number one. Okay? That's the, that's the greatest good is what you decide about you. That's bizarre. And not conducive for a good, I mean, with or without God. That's just terrible for a society. The second thing, the second post-Christian belief that you're going to hear all over, you're going to hear it in songs, you're going to hear it in movies, is that traditions, religions, uh, wisdom that we've received, regulations, and social ties, any of those things that restrict individual freedom, any of those that restrict happiness, that restrict self-definition and self-expression, they must be reshaped, deconstructed, or destroyed. Doesn't matter how wonderful or how ancient this wisdom is, or your traditions, or what good it's accomplished in the past, if it's restricting my freedom, it's got to go, baby. That's where we're at in a culture. That's number two. Number three, he's, this is what, according to Mark Sayers, and I think he's right on the money. He says, the world, the third belief is the world will inevitably improve as the scope of individual freedom grows. Technology, in part, the internet, will motor this progression towards utopia. See, the reason that we're having struggles is that you're just not free enough. You just need to be able to do whatever you want to do. Then we'll all come into this golden land of happiness. Number four, I, it's, a little worried, I get, it's a little tough to follow, but I'll, I'll try to help us out here. <laughs> the primary social ethic, all right, the highest social ethic is tolerance of everyone's self-defined quest for individual freedom and self-expression. Any deviation from this ethic of tolerance is dangerous and must not be tolerated. Therefore, therefore, social justice is about issues of equality relating to individual identity, self-expression, and personal autonomy. Any, any movement that wants to affect my personal freedoms is now the enemy. The Bible does not affirm your personal freedoms. Right? So... If you can be as loving as anyone could be, but believing the word of God, and now you become, become hateful because you're trying to restrict freedoms. Number five, humans are inherently good. If you've ever had a roommate, you know that's not true. <laughs> if you've ever had a child, oh, they're sweet as could be until they're not, right? If you've ever had a wife, no, they're always good. Okay. <laughs> Right, honey? Yeah, exactly. Number six, large-scale structures and institutions are suspicious at best and evil at worst. We're going to tear them all down, man. And the last one that Mark Sayers says is forms of external authority are rejected and personal authenticity is lauded or praised, right? And a lot of us are sitting here today, we're like, well, praise God, that's not me. <laughs> you guys smell like this sometimes, <laughs> and so do I. You might not believe this, but because I get my 40 minutes and you got your other 159 hours and, and 22 minutes out there getting pushed and shaped and molded, and you, we, we wear out. We just wear out. And you just kind of give in a little bit. You don't intentionally but you start believing some of these to be true. So, here we go. The alien zombie ray. 
That's what I think must have happened in 2022. Have anyone ever watched Star Trek or Star Wars or any kind of sci-fi or you've even heard of them? Okay. There's always these, I couldn't think of any specific examples, but there's always these aliens that show up and somehow they, you know, like, the, like in Star Trek, a lot of times you would see the light kind of going through the ship and each person would hit. Now they're just, now they're in kind of being controlled by whatever. You always got one kind of like hidden hero. In, in the old Star Treks, it was Spock, right? Because he was Vulcan. He was the only Vulcan on the crew. So he sometimes could fight his way out of that and he could save the day. Or next gen, if you're into that one, it was, it was Data, you know? Or if you're uh, uh, a little bit later on, it was uh, Seven of Nine once in a while. Seven of Nine, tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix One. She would be the kind of the hero. <laughs> but you'd kind of see these people who were intelligent normal, thoughtful people all of a sudden, just like instantly, just doing dumb things. And, they, and they, anyone that hasn't been affected yet, they're like, what are you doing? And this has kind of been a theme, you know, ever since there's been TV, there's been something like this. So you've, you all know what I mean. And so I feel like there must have been a zombie ray because like four years ago, even very liberal, left-leaning, progressive-thinking individuals would be, like, if you would say some of the stuff that you're saying in 2023, they'd be like, well, that's, well, that's a little crazy, right? Like, some of the stuff they're saying now, in, like, 2018, they would have put you in jail for. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, you would, like, you would have been arrested. And now they're forcing it upon us to believe that way. And you watch people who you know have to be intelligent. They have to be thoughtful. I don't agree, you know, kind of with their stance on things, but they're not, they're not idiots. And all of a sudden they just go, yes, that's what we have to believe. And I feel like that's, I feel like we're kind of, that's kind of eroding a little bit. The ray is starting to wear off a little bit. And so that's what I wanted to talk about. So I listen to a podcast all the time. It's a leadership podcast. It's Kerry Newhoff. He interviews uh, you know, business leaders and church leaders. And he's in uh, Montreal. And so they're in Canada. They're liberal. Okay? And he talks about anyone that he interviews from the coasts being a lot more able, relatable. Because Canada is about 10 years ahead of us. They're you know, just a little behind Europe. Europe is far more progressive in, in the degradation of morals and morality and, and adhering to scripture, kind of done away with God. Churches are abandoned, right? And so Kerry has been a pastor for years. He's now just a podcast leader, but um, he talks about on the coasts of America, you know, we're like that, but there's a, there's a large chunk of America that, right, we still have some common sense and whatever. So I want to read some quotes about from, it's, it's from Vaz.us, the website doesn't matter because I found about 10 different websites that were saying the exact same thing when I was doing some research on this because I'd heard different stories and I'd read different headlines. So I just wanted to dig into this a little bit more. And so I just picked one of the websites. It does, the, the, that's not important. You can do your own research. But I, we're going to talk about Europe for just a little bit because I think the zombie ray is wearing off a little bit. Now, you got to remember, Europe is more progressive than our coastlines are. They're more progressive than California. They're more progressive than Canada. Here's some quotes it says, uh, the knowledge base, especially research-based knowledge for gender-affirming treatment, hormonal and surgical, is poor, and long-term effects are poorly understood, said the latest report from the Norwegian Medical Research Agency. 
According to the same institution, 75% of children diagnosed with gender dysphoria by a psychiatrist already had some mental illness or disorder in their history. I got about three or four or five slides about, about gender topics. That's why I said I got my slides to keep me on a, like, otherwise, because we could go really off the rails here this morning. This idea, this, this dangerous idea that I can decide what my own reality is, is far more insidious than any of us ever want to admit. And Europe is going, hey, I got a question, right? Now, these are progressive thinkers. They're like, um, hold on a second. Watch, watch this. European governments are rethinking their policies for trans youth after avalanches of medical reports from specialized agencies, legislators put the brakes, put on the brakes, and they have banned children from accessing hormone treatments and puberty blockers. The countries that now refuse are not the most conservative and they're not the most strict on transgender medical care. In fact, quite the contrary, they were pioneers for transgender treatments in the past and now they're doing a 180. Norway, Sweden, the United Kingdom, Finland, Poland, Hungary, the Netherlands, France, and Denmark have all restricted or banned children under 18 from receiving gender transitioning care. And there's more being added to the list all the time. This is from the Gender Exploration Therapy Association. This quote is from the Gender Exploration Therapy Association. This quote that I'm gonna read is from the Gender Exploratory Therapy Association. It says, Dr. Uh, be my guest. I don't know. Catalia, I don't know. That doctor has been the f at the forefront of Finland's treatment of gender-questioning youth. In a recent interview, she said there isn't enough evidence of the causes of the current waves of gender dysphoria to justify giving life-changing medical treatments to children. Dr. Dr. Kaltili, whatever, says four out of five children who question their gender grow out of it. It's stuff that you and I would go, yeah, he wanted to be an astronaut when he was three. You know? I didn't boot his little butt into outer space, you know, like, right? You know, I, I love, I love, I, this will be the first and only and I think last ever time that Bill Maher is quoted. He is not Christian, he's anti-Christian, he's hateful, but he's funny once in a while. And he said, he said, for crying out loud, when my kid was little, or when I was, I think he said when I, when I was little, I wanted to be a pirate. Thank the Lord they didn't cut my leg off and give me an eye patch. <laughs> but when the voice of the world, when the culture, when that becomes the narrative that the highest good, see, we get tricked into thinking, wait a minute, but we're doing good. We're letting them be who they're supposed to be. And, and I, I'm pretty, I'm very, very biblical, and I'm, ultra-conservative, but I'm pretty hands-off when it comes to, like, Paul didn't often advocate legislating the world. He talked about the church. We should influence the world, okay? So if you're, if you're a heathen, like if, like if you're living for the devil, then, then go for it, man. I think you should live for Jesus. That's what I'm going to tell you. But 
if you that's, that's what you want to believe if you're 19 years old or 30 years old, that's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but it's, you know, I can't control that. You start cutting off genitals of kids under 12 years old, now I get mad. That's irreversible. You're doing damage to these kids. So this isn't meant to be this. It's, again, we're talking about the pattern of the world, but this just happens to be an issue that reflects that pattern. This, the gender issue is not the issue. It's a symptom of the issue. The issue is exalting self. I want you to get that. Oh, I went to church this morning. Yep, pastor talked about gender all morning. That's, I'm, I'm giving you a very, a very uh, uh, accessible example of the ludicrousy of that kind of thinking. And that's what we're promoting. That's what the world is telling you. Every, hey, you do you. You live your truth. Don't. You're good. Your pastor is saying, no, you'll die if you do that. You live God's truth. And it's the same truth for all of us. Oh, wait, you can't say that because we don't know what's inside your heart. I do, evil. <laughs> You've noticed probably lately that I've talked up the turd talk a lot. We're a bunch of, right? We're a bunch of, we're, we're nefarious people. We are not good people. And there's an elevation in that on purpose, it's to confront some of this. We're made in God's image. Don't ever get me wrong on that. We're made in his image. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. But left to our own good devices, we're not naturally good. We're not naturally, oh, I just want to take you home and cuddle you, right? <laughs> we're not. There's evil in all of our hearts. So closing up here, self in the church. We had just a couple slides on this. Mark Sayers again. He says, Eric Vogel, Vogelin observed that the, the self-heresy would spring up parasitically. Now, listen to this. In times when, quote, cultural Christianity grew alongside devoted faith and cultural Christians, we kind of talked about that a, uh, a couple months ago, cultural Christians, you want to just be Christian in name, not actually surrendering your life to the lordship of Jesus, following his will and his ways for your life. You want to be a cultural Christian. You want to walk in culture. I want to, I want to be a Christian because I don't want to be a fill-in-the-blank, an atheist, a Muslim, a Hindu, you know, whatever. So I guess I'm Christian then. No, that, that's a cultural Christian. A Christian, a believer, is someone who follows Jesus. Their life reflects their following of Jesus. Jesus is the boss. He's not just a good idea. He's the Lord of their life. So what Mark Sayers is saying is that when you've got a church full of cultural Christians and then you've got some devoted Christians, the cultural Christians wish for a version of belief that was less dependent on faith and submission and more on the individual's personal control. Well, nobody in here this morning would like that, would you? Huh? I want you, this is not, if you're watching by video, this is not anybody in our church, but I want you to sing my songs and I want you to put my kind of chairs in and I want the service to go as long as I want it to go, right? We're full of that kind of stuff because I think that's the best way to do it. What does that sound like? It sounds a little bit, and we get that affirmed more and more right? Yeah, yeah. He goes on to say, 
uh, Christian Smith, and this is heartbreaking, Christian Smith and Melinda Lindquist, Lindquist Denton, who, after interviewing thousands of American teenagers, found that despite their, didn't matter whether they were religious or whether they were non-religious, of the, the affiliation of their respondents, almost all held to a kind of loose, non-binding belief in a distant God, a belief that does not call the individual to account, but rather believes that the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. That's creeped into the church. That's creeped into the church. This list last, I think it's the last slide from Mark Sayers. He kind of punctuates it with this. Thus, the driving belief that truth is found within within me, that external sources of truth, like the word of God, and all external authority must be refused, that our path to salvation is self-powered. It overcomes Christianity not by siege, but by infiltration from within. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. That sneaks into the church. We love Jesus, yeah, but I kind of think I'm right and everyone else is wrong. Like, but like, you don't know what's going on in me. Like, I'm the rightest. <laughs> The church is not destroyed, rather it's emptied of its essential truths, and it becomes a mere shadow, and it eventually disappears. Two more slides, we'll be done. Self is the problem, but Jesus is the cure, thankfully. It says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, you all know this verse, but, but look at this verse now in this context. He said to them all, in verse 923 of Luke, he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, who wants to be a real Christian, whoever wants to be a follower of me, must find their inner truth and promote that and cause everyone else to agree with them. Oh, wait, that's not what Jesus said. You must dig deep and meditate on what the real you wants to do in this situation. No, that's not what Jesus said. If you want to follow Jesus... Now, if you want to be a cultural Christian, which is not a real Christian, it's a Christian in name only, then you can go ahead and do that. But if you want to be a real, if you want to be a follower, the only way, the only way that Jesus described a follower of him, the only way that he described a Christian is you must deny yourself. Oh, pastor, that's heresy. No, it's Jesus' words. It's the red words. Or they're yellow on this screen. But you know what I mean? It's the words of Jesus. You must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The words of Jesus stand in stark contrast to the words of the culture. It's why when the culture just says, hey, Jesus was a good guy, he was okay, he's, I mean, he's just, he just wants us all to love one another. That's not at all what he said. That's not at all what he wants. He wants people that say yes and are submitted followers and become disciples, learners of him. Last slide is by Mark Sayers. This was from his podcast. And I, I just love how, when he said this, it just hit me. I'm like, oh man, the church needs to hear this. He said, they were talking about holiness. He said, I think there's something so pure about holiness. The most counter-cultural thing you can do in a city like this, in Melbourne and New York, in the 21st century neoliberal global economy that we've built, is to say no to self to confess that you are not the center of the universe and to actually repent. Hmm. That's where it comes to. God, I am not, I, I, you just, it's, it's having an honest conversation with Jesus. 
Jesus, I just want you to know what you already know, but now you know that I know that, but you knew that already because you know all things. But I'm just letting you know this moment that I kind of think I'm, I'm the bomb.com sometimes. <laughs> Jesus, I, I, I think that my way is right and your way is somehow not applicable to me. I think that my truth is the ultimate truth. More often than I want to admit, Jesus, forgive me. And I'm not just saying that. I'm actually praying that right now. God, I, I've, it's so easy for me to get deceived. It's so easy for me to get tricked. That's why I need these people. That's why I need your word. That's why I need your Holy Spirit. God, help me to think that what's going on in here is not the ultimate truth, but your word is the ultimate truth. Hmm. Amen. Thanks for following me along in my prayer today. See what I mean? We get sucked into that. We don't mean to. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. If you mean to, then knock it off. <laughs> but most of us, we don't mean to. But we're discipled by the world 159 hours a week. And we don't mean to do that either. But it's pressing us into its way of thinking and its voice. So yourself, what's going on in you? As much as I care about that as pastor, I care about the truth of God's word more. And I want that to be the navigator for your life. And for my life. I want the Holy Spirit to be the empowerer, not my emotions. That sound like something that's true? That's true. God, thank you for hard truths, but realities, God. Lord, it's so easy for all of us to get sucked into the world's narrative without even realizing it. Lord, you've commanded us in Romans 12 to, to not be pressed in and molded like the pattern of the world. Lord, we just we reject that pattern of the world that says, I am the highest authority. I, we, we reject that today. We agree that you are the highest authority, that your word is truth, God. And Jesus, you are truth. Lord, we just come to you this morning. We ask that you would give us a spirit of repentance, God, in any area that we've agreed with the pattern of the world on and help change our thinking so that we can think like Jesus. Thank you that you're transforming us and we're becoming more Christ-like every day. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.